Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now, the Dave Hooker. Ready. All right, here we go with Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker, and we are T-minus, by my count, five days away, depending on when you're watching or listening from the unofficial kickoff to SEC media day and the college football season. Here we go. So it's exciting. Caleb, you can kind of feel it in the air. Emails exchanging back and forth, lining up guests. It's wild. Caleb, are you... Gill in the flow. How are you today, Caleb? As the unofficial kickoff to football season, SEC Media Days is just a couple of days away. Pretty darn cool. How are you, Caleb? I'm doing great. I'm feeling the flow, too. I saw Josh Pate say yesterday, like, here's how you know if you're casual or not. And that's what he refers to certain college football fans. You're casual if you think this is the offseason. It ain't no offseason. <laughs> Absolutely right. I agree completely. Let's start off with a question because we got a lot to get to on the program, but something that I, I wanted to weigh in on because this all kind of just happened uh, over the course of the past 24 hours. I want to remind you that on the program today, it's the SEC Network takeover for Tennessee. So we'll talk about the most memorable games in uh, Tennessee football, basketball, and athletics over the past year. And I'm going to put a caveat in there because I know what everybody's going to say first. You can't say that first. Also, Butch Jones on the hot seat. He lives on the hot seat. That's his. That's the way he rolls. It's time to get that $26,000 a year gig at the University of Alabama again. I'm sure he's uh, open to that. 
Uh, he's made enough money where he should be just fine. Also, why Butch Jones wasn't uh, the worst hire at the time of his hiring. And Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, two of the most meaningful games in all of college football. So we've got a lot to get to, including predictions of 10 wins for Tennessee, which everybody is all over the place. I wrote a column about that. We got people saying 10 wins. We got people saying number 19. We've got just all across the board. I don't think anybody knows what to think about Tennessee. And I think that a lot of people felt like they missed the bandwagon and they missed the lead story of all of college football last year with Tennessee because they thought they would be about a mate win team at best. And what does Tennessee do? They rent, they win 10 in the regular season, 11 overall. So I think there, there are people that feel left out and, and they are as media members and national analysts that don't know nearly as much about their individual teams as individual reporters like Caleb and me. No knock against them. There's too many programs to keep track of. But they're just all over the place, Caleb, as far as optimistic and pessimistic predictions. Some people think Josh Heupel's a flash in the pan. Tennessee got lucky with Jalen Hyatt. If you're looking from afar, got lucky with Jalen Hyatt, a, a special talent. It's more about the guys they had than the system. On the flip side, and I think that you agree with, Apple's a pretty special coach. This is a special offense, and it's getting better. But as far as a national media member, and, I, and I've been in that position before, it's tough to keep tabs on every single program under your purveyance. And I think that Tennessee is one of the most unknown programs among national media members as far as what they'll do this season in the nation. Bar none. I think it's right up there with, I don't know what to think about these cats. Do you kind of get that feeling? Because every prediction I see is one extreme or the other. That are, I haven't seen anybody say nine wins, which would be right down the middle, right? Yeah, I agree. And and, and I'm with you. I give them a break because I've kind of been in the national media forum too. And you and I are trying to cover a little more SEC and we have been this summer. And we're even learning just doing that. It's It's so much harder to do that and get things accurate when you're not on a day-to-day basis covering in the weeds of one program. And I don't think people understand how it's, it's, we talk about the workload of college football coaches guys, the workload of college football national media is insane because they, I mean, you're talking at least every sec and big 10 team. And then quite a few other top 25 caliber teams, you're talking like 45 to 50 teams that they have to keep an in-depth eye on at all times, particularly in the off season. That's a lot of work. And I don't think people realize that. I I, I agree. And then you've got Phil Steele in particularly, and I'm not knocking Phil Steele. I think he does. I was a Phil Steele fan before Phil Steele's parents were Phil Steele's fans. I mean, I liked (laughs) Phil Steele like 25 years ago. Okay. So I'm not knocking him, but he's been on Knoxville media and he said they'll rival Georgia And then he has them number 19 in his poll, which would equate to three or four losses. And then now he has them predicted for 10 wins. So I I don't think Phil still knows. I don't think a lot of other national media know. And I I mean, to some extent, we don't know. But I feel like we have a, I'll just be honest with you, a pretty darn good grasp of what Tennessee is going to do this year. Uh, As a matter of fact, I go into this season. I don't know if this is good or bad for Tennessee fans with more confidence of my prediction of success or lack thereof than really any year maybe since I've covered Tennessee football. 
Um, I, I feel very confident that this will be a very good team. Could some breaks go against them, injuries, that sort of thing that leads to an eight-win season instead of ten? Certainly. Could things break the right way and they're at 11 or 12? Certainly. All of that is very, very possible. But I feel confident that they're going to be very good again this year, whereas there's some national media that doesn't seem so sure. So it is the takeover day on the SEC network, which Tennessee will be featured in a ton of games over the past year. They do this for every SEC team. So it started at midnight. If you're up watching it at midnight, God bless you. You're, you're, you're a huge Tennessee fan and I'll send you a, an off the hook t-shirt. How about that? But first we're going to get to today's tough question, which has to deal with that very thing, and that's the Tennessee Takeover. It's brought to you today by Zen Sports. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Best answer to today's tough question. You got to surprise me. You got to challenge me. We'll get a T-shirt an off-the-hook sports t-shirt. You'll love it. It says Hooker right across the front. Maybe a little bit more relevant last year when that was a quarterback, but still, Milton was copyrighted. And it's not my last name. So, here we go. Today's tough question, other than the Alabama game, take it away. That's off the board. What was the most, do you want to go meaningful or memorable games of the past athletic fiscal year brought to you by zen sports i'll tell you more about them in just a second you pick it you pick the word and i'll follow your lead sir i'm going to give you a crazy one that people don't think about but we cut we talked about it right after it happened i think the pittsburgh game is really what got tennessee football going last year i think that overtime okay so are we first are we going meaningful or memorable meaningful meaningful okay okay meaningful i'm with you but I'm going to go in another direction on memorable. So let's go meaningful. The most okay. okay the most meaningful moment last year. Uh, I love your pick, a pit. Go ahead and fill out on the message board the most meaningful moment of last year, other than the Alabama game. Caleb Roll. Yeah. So the reason the Pittsburgh game it reminds me of, and I, we've listened to a lot of our Celebrate '98 stuff, and one of the things that stands out a lot was. The win over Florida really got them going. That was more significant than even the Florida State win. And the reason was it kind of gave the confidence they needed. I think that win over Pitt really opened the eyes of Tennessee fans of and Tennessee players of, oh, we just beat Pitt. Yes, we should have beaten them by more. Yes, it was an overtime win and an ugly game. But that was a top 25 road win. And you got Florida coming to town next week with the new head coach. You get to go visit LSU at noon with the new head coach that those chips are falling where they may, and you should easily take advantage of those. So Pitt, I think, was their toughest mental hurdle. And once they got past Pitt, they realized a 5-0 start was on the table. And then once they got to 5-0, and they had all the confidence they needed for that Alabama game, and which is why they pulled off that upset. So I think Pitt really got the, set the motion, set the dominoes in motion for them. Okay, let me set you up for another one. What is Tennessee's record if they don't pull that out against Pitt? Because that ha- that would have a confidence impact more than just an impact on the win-loss record. 
what what does Tennessee finish if they don't get that win at Pitt? Oh, they're eight and four. They lose to Florida two weeks later, and they lose to Alabama. Wow, that's strong. Do you think? Think about the Florida game. Don't forget the Florida game. They were trailing at in the first half, and Florida had the ball. Do you think Tennessee has the mental toughness to overcome that, given all the history of Florida and having lost to Pitt two weeks ago? Had they lost a bit? Probably not. I'm going to go in a different direction, and some people are going to probably get uh, upset with me on that. But I'm going to say the most memorable moment has to be the South Carolina game because it was all laid out there, and we thought we had it figured out, and Tennessee had beaten Alabama. I could make a strong argument right now that that's more memorable than the Alabama game. But the Alabama win set up the South Carolina debacle. And I I, I really believe that this could be a good thing for Tennessee long-term. I don't think that they're going to have the mindset of overlooking anyone. I think there was a guy in Jeremy Banks that was a Pruitt recruit that probably was not uh, real fond of the fact that Pruitt was gone and he was under a different coach. And Jeremy Banks created a distraction. So I think that is that will signify – the end of whatever fractured sort of roster you might have. Because some guys are Pruitt guys still. I know that sounds crazy, and some guys are Hypel guys, but I think that's all over now. I think the Pruitt guys mainly are gone, unless there was some double red shirt. I mean, they should all be gone by now, shouldn't they? Caleb, pretty close after uh, this season. Quite a few. I mean, even uh, two after of the people. This oh, after, after this season. Yes, yes, the, but there are still the, – because of the COVID year and the redshirt year, you could have Pruitt guys all the way through 2025. Um, quite, because Amari Thomas and Cooper Mays could both be back in 2024. So it's kind True. of – I don't think Cooper is going to be based off those conversations, but I'll ask him on the Vol Report brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning today, as a matter of fact, but but we shall see. So I would have to say the most memorable to me is South Carolina because I thought Tennessee had a chance against Alabama. I thought um, I thought Georgia was significantly better at the time, especially at home and motivated by some preseason talk. But Caleb, to me, the one I'll always remember when you ask me 10 years from now, and I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but I will remember the South Carolina game, because I thought it was done and done. I thought Tennessee was going to be in the college football playoff or the fifth team and won out. Either way, for content purposes, it would have been great for us. Instead, they lose to South Carolina. And, you know, the most memorable game maybe for me, maybe it says something about me, was the 2001 SEC championship game. So maybe that's how my brain is wired is I remember big losses as much as big wins. What does that say about me as a person, Caleb? I mean, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you sound like a coach. Coaches always will say the same thing. Now, the difference is that 2001 SEC championship game, that was more than just a loss. That was a changing of the guard in college football. Tennessee, to this day, has never recovered from that loss. And I don't think the South Carolina game will be that bad. There's also this point. The South Carolina game could have a major silver lining that we don't know about. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a comparison. Dave has a silver lining similar to the orange bowl against Nebraska in 1997 when Tennessee lost 42 to 17, which is this Hendon hooker getting hurt is what forced Joe Milton to take all the first team reps. We wouldn't know about Joe Milton in the orange bowl. Had that not happened. 
the same way in 97, 98 with Nebraska, the team really didn't know what to have, what they had in team Martin until Peyton Manning got hurt in the SEC, SEC title game. And I think Martin took most of the first team reps in the orange bowl preparations, didn't he? And uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. He, it, because if you remember Peyton Manning had the bursa sack in his knee and showed up on David Letterman with it swollen, which he shouldn't have done because then Nebraska knew that he would be even more of a statue in the pocket, but that's going way back and showing my age. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, but it's a known thing. And T Martin did throw a touchdown pass late against Nebraska. And I do think that was where that was the first sign where Tennessee, the Tennessee players, I don't know about the fans. You can tell me more about that. If the fans saw promise in T Martin when they saw that game, but I think the Tennessee players definitely, that was when they first started to get confidence in T Martin. Wasn't it right around then? Yes, and I think a lot of players thought that T. Martin should have played that entire Orange Bowl game, to be real honest with you. Um, and they didn't think that Peyton Manning was able to play, but it was Peyton Manning's last game. He had just lost the Heisman. So they, they, they didn't want to besmirch him. The coaches didn't, but I don't know that he should have been playing. I'll give you another one. I'll give you two more, the most memorable. And then you pick one from basketball, if you will. And it's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the code HOOKED, that's HOOKED, H-O-O-K-E-D. That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Somebody on the message board mentioned LSU. Let's break down memorable moments for a moment, if we can, of the football season. So, Pitt, we learned that Tennessee had some toughness. LSU, we learned that Tennessee had enough explosiveness where if a team came out and didn't play well early, they could get blown out. The location or stadium didn't matter. Alabama, we learned that Tennessee had an awful lot of moxie. How about the Kentucky game in which Tennessee played so well defensively against Knock him if you want, but against a guy that was a, a highly thought of quarterback prospect. So there were a lot of memorable moments um, that, that that Tennessee had from its football season. If we went basketball or any other sport, is there one that stands out to you as the most memorable moment from the past fiscal athletic year? So basketball, they beat a number one Alabama team in basketball this year, too, which was memorable. But I thought that was... That, it's funny, they beat Alabama in basketball when Alabama was number one, but that wasn't shocking to any of us who had f- covered this team that's this past year. And honestly, it didn't change any of the negative opinions I had about Tennessee basketball. So I thought what was more impressive was their Duke win in the NCAA tournament. I, I thought that actually was a memorable moment because I didn't think they had that in them to beat Duke the way they did. And so that Let's stood out honest, to me. It's a, if it's a bunch of Caleb's and Dave's, it's still Duke, right? Yeah, I mean, they're exactly. still wearing a Duke jersey. It's like, that's pretty good. Well, and, and Tennessee at Thompson Bowling Arena was so good this year. You had faith in Rick Barnes at Thompson Bowling Arena. You don't have faith in Rick Barnes against teams that are evenly matched with him in the NCAA tournament because his track record is horrible in those situations. So beating Duke really stood out. I'll also say in baseball, and here's a big one, and this was shown at 1.30 this morning. 
Don't forget that 17 to one win over Vanderbilt early this year. The sweep of Vanderbilt is what turned the baseball program around and got them rolling to go to the college world series. Because if you remember right before that sweep of Vanderbilt, they had been swept by Arkansas. They had lost two of three to Florida and they had lost two or three to LSU the previous three weekends. And then they're playing the number two ranked Commodores and they sweep them. And that totally changed things for the baseball program. So I think that was a really, really, really big win for baseball. So women's basketball, the big one they have is, and it does stand out, was beating LSU in the SEC tournament. Women's basketball didn't have a lot of big wins this year. They just some, they were hitting par. They didn't beat any great teams typically, except for that LSU win, and they didn't lose to any bad teams. So that mm-hmm. one stands out. Absolutely. If you're watching on YouTube, you just saw me shift around and panic a little bit because a huge monster snapper bug got on me. I don't know if you noticed that, Caleb, but I did get a little scared there for a moment and almost ran away. Uh, If you are watching on YouTube, be sure and set your notifications on. No matter where you're watching, set the notifications on as uh, Dante Stallworth, the latest edition of the Celebrate 98 series that is uh, will be up on our YouTube channel also, Jacob Warren will be up today, and we're looking for Cooper Mays. And then Cozy Coleman, who was a pretty good offensive lineman, yeah, uh, will be part of the Celebrate 98 series, and that's brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. Go to tnsidercompany.com, use the promo code HAT, that's HAT, and you will get some free swag with any purchase of your chosen cider, and you can get it delivered almost anywhere in the United States of America. So that is pretty awesome. All right, Butch Jones, on the list of hot seat coaches, the former Tennessee head coach has been in Arkansas State after his internship under Nick Saban. Apparently that didn't help much. There are some other SEC coaches and other known names on this list that I want to get to. But my, oh, my, uh, Butch Jones – what happened in the end to, to his career? Because it appears to be going downhill to the point of he's going to be a career assistant. He's gotten his, now what, fourth shot at being a head coach. Most significant was at Tennessee. And now he's at Arkansas State where he could get fired. Um, your, your thoughts on Butch Jones. Was he an even worse coach than we thought? Or is it a bad situation at Arkansas State? I think he's a worse coach than we thought. I think let's break down Butch Jones' success for a minute because I have to be fair to Butch Jones real quick. A lot of the Butch Jones haters will say that, oh, he just inherited what Brian Kelly built because he followed him at Central Michigan and then followed him at Cincinnati. That's actually not true. Um, for those who don't know, Butch Jones' first year at Cincinnati, he went 4-8 and eight right after Cincinnati went 12-0. and 0. He actually had to completely rebuild the Cincinnati roster after Brian Kelly had left. And he did a pretty good job and installed his own system. The Central Michigan three years, his last year in 2009, he took them 11-2, and two, the best season that team had in school history. And let's – I mean, just a few people he found. He found – whatever you think of him now, he found Antonio Brown out of nowhere. All right, that guy was not going to be a football player. And Butch Jones and Zach Azani at the time found him and scouted him and put him in there. So what I, I think – I do about- offset that a little bit by he wanted J.J. Watt to play tight end. But – yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> okay, I mean, on the chessboard chess of life, that's bringing the queen out too early. Go ahead. That's very true. Here's <laughs> what I think happened. Dave, if you remember, he took the head coaching job in 2007. If you remember 2007, 
that was when Rich Rodriguez was the hottest commodity in college football because of that spread system that he ran, which he really was not Urban Meyer. Rodriguez really was the original crafter of that offense. You know what I'm talking about? The one that Pat White and Steve Slayton just bought out in. Yep. So I don't think that was as understood by a lot of teams yet. And that's what Butch Jones cut his teeth in because he was, remember, he was the wide receivers coach at West Virginia from in, from in 2005 and 2006. Before that, he had coached mostly under Mike DeBoer and Brian Kelly. So he kind of understood the spread offense with pro concepts, which is where those zone reads and zone blocking schemes came. I think Butch Jones was running an offense that he had crafted out of that that just wasn't fully figured out yet. But by the time he had gotten to the SEC in 2013, let's let's be honest, Urban Meyer had already had a six-year run where he was dominant. Gus Malzahn was in the SEC. SEC defensive coordinators had already figured out these different schemes. So I think by the time we got to the SEC, it got – I don't think Butch Jones was a great play caller. I don't think he was that right of a coach. I think he had a system that he had learned that just people hadn't figured out yet. And, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and so I think that he, he, he he's a bad evaluator of talent, bad with player development, um, not, a, not as good a recruiter as we thought, and also the, as the least common sense of any coach I've ever seen on the sideline. He just happened to copy a system that was already successful. And, and, and on our message board, a uh, good line by uh, Rocky Top Tom, Butch Jones knows as much about football as my left foot knows about space exploration. So we're going to name Tom's left foot Elon Musk uh, from now on. So with the coaches that have ties to the SEC and a couple currently in the SEC that are on the hot seat, who are most likely to get fired? And I want to include Butch Jones in that list and it's brought to you by andy mason andy mason real estate.com he will change the way you view real estate why because he has the best service and the best prices in the biz andy mason real estate.com about to give him a call as i've got a real estate move to make andy mason real estate.com support our sponsors guys i've known andy for gosh 25 years and he will take care of you and you will be very pleased and you'll never go to another realtor again andy mason realestate.com all the info is there so other guys on this list uh caleb are, are interesting eli drinkwitz which we, you know that i'm not high on and then you have jimbo fisher let's start with drinkwitz am i the only one that it just feels like he's just kind of holding on for dear life a la a butch jones towards the end it just doesn't feel like that he's going to be a long-term success at Missouri. And I guess this year would tell the tale, but I, I don't see Eli before we get to Jimbo Fisher being a long-term answer. But if you're a Tennessee think, fan, you should want him to stay there as long as humanly possible. <laughs> I think Eli Drinkwitz is able to sell their very, very, very close. Because remember, I mean, this team was very close to 10 wins last year. And so I think that that's probably where Eli Drinkwitz is selling is that he he's giving this idea that they're close to turning the corner. You see what I'm saying? And so I feel like. Like Butch Jones when the East was down. Yes. Uh, a great, but see Butch Jones in 2015 went nine and four when the East was down and barely lost all four games. Eli Drinkwitz went six and seven and barely lost four games so it's the difference between undefeated and 10 and three but yes you're right it's very similar to that and but at the same time 
just like Butch Jones in 2015 almost beat Alabama when they won the national title, Eli Drinkwitz in last year almost beat Georgia when they won the national title. So there's there's a lot of selling points, and I think with a lot of returning talent, there's a genuine optimism that they can turn the corner this year and take it to another level. If you remember, Eli Drinkwitz's selling point was he took over Missouri when they were a disaster in 2020, and he went 5-5, five and five, which was massively exceeding expectations. A lot of first-year coaches built a reputation for their for, for what they did in 2020, and no one should count 2020. It was such a wild year. There was barely there was no spring practice, barely any all season. Like so many factors that go to having a good season, just weren't there in 2020. So I think the whole season should be thrown out the window, quite honestly. But this, that was a selling point. This sounds insane, Caleb, but I'm gonna say it. I'd almost rather be a Missouri football fan than a Texas A&M fan, short term. Because I think that Jimbo Fisher hangs on, and with Bobby Petrino, they have a semblance of organization that they didn't have on offense before. And they that Jimbo Fisher is able to squeeze two more years out of that contract. I don't think he'll be fired at the end of this year. I don't think uh, – I think that at the end of 2024, things get really dicey if they don't improve. But at least with Missouri, here's the way I predict it. Eli Drinkwitz is going to be horrible this year. They're going to be horrible this year. They were 6-7 and seven, last year and they're going to fire him and make a clean break now a&m i know long term has more facilities and more resources and all that so but short term i think i'd almost rather be a missouri fan than be an a&m fan that stuck with jimbo fisher because of an absurd contract i i gotta be honest with you um i disagree because i think missouri is every time every time caleb starts a sentence with i gotta be honest it's always no dave you're wrong so Missouri is going to start five and zero this year. That's my prediction. I made that prediction for a while because they have South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, Kansas State, Memphis, and Vanderbilt. Kansas State's the only toss-up game of those, and they got them at Columbia. So the five and zero start is going to give them a lot of momentum down the stretch, where Eli Drinkwitz is going to keep his job. I think the bottom is falling out with Jimbo Fisher this year. I, I, I've said that the whole time, and I don't think the Fisher Bobby Petrino situation is going to work out. And it's going to, it's really going to baffle Texas A&M fans because quite, quite honestly, Dave, it's weird that Texas A&M hasn't won a national title ever because all the dynamics, like the, the fundamentals are in place for Texas A&M to be a dominant program. This is, I, I, I thought of a comparison the other day. Are they the Mets of college football? Because, you know, the Mets have all this money. They should be great in baseball and they never are. No, I mean, that, that that's a pretty good comparison. If I were a Texas A&M fan, I would hate to be stuck to that that contract. I mean, that would just absolutely drive me crazy on a on a day-to-day basis. Coming up next, why Butch Jones, even though he could get fired from Arkansas State, was not the worst hire in what Mark Nagy called the decade of dysfunction. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even close to the bottom at the time of his hiring. That's the key. Two minutes. Back with you. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Hook Sports. To own the more that owns every job, then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. 
Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler. And we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. So we had a question earlier to start off the show, and I didn't get into it. I felt E Dave, uh, does it sit right with me that Northwestern's coach Pat Fitzgerald got fired for things out of his control, while Kirby Smart's players got um, get underage kids drunk off their rears and allegedly assault women? Well, I don't know where the Fitzgerald stuff's going to go. I do believe, and I know Georgia fans think I'm biased for whatever reason. I do believe that Kirby Smart has a real problem in Athens. So I'll I'll say this. It it, it led me to a column that's going to be on offthehooksports.com later today, Caleb. And it's, it's about the fact that had Tennessee hired Greg Schiano, which to me, Caleb, was a reach of a hire just in terms of football. But had they hired him with the loose Penn State ties that I thought Tennessee used in order to make him not the hire, there's no way a guy could survive that with those loose ties. If Pat Fitzgerald can't survive the social media backlash and the media backlash from what's happening at Northwestern now, and he was a player there and he's coached 11 years, 
there's no way that somebody with any sort of loose tie to Penn State could have survived that. Even if Shauna was having some measure of success at his school, and he's not having success at Rutgers currently, but if it were Tennessee, you would have to make a change based off partly the loose tie to Penn State, and now this cropping up again. In retrospect, I was pretty critical of Tennessee fans and the way they responded. Caleb, now I think to myself, you know, maybe there was something to that. Because if something like this happened that was out of his control, Caleb, you you couldn't possibly stand by him with the other ties to Penn State, which I think you and I, I agree were pretty loose. You go. Yeah, they were loose, but I've always said it's twofold. Because it, it, people tried to call out Tennessee fans and say, well, they wouldn't be mad like this if Nick Saban was getting the job. Well, yeah, because he's Nick Saban. Okay, the, the, the question becomes, do the, do the moral issues of whatever they may be outweigh your success on the field? And sorry, guys, success on the field matters. So Greg Schiano, if he had won two national titles at Rutgers and had a successful NFL tenure, I think Tennessee fans wouldn't have cared, nor should they have. But the loose ties become an issue when you're not successful. This is why... The Kirby Smart, Pat Fitzgerald comparison, I don't think it's fair either. Is Kirby Smart, I think, allowing a lot more issues? Yes. Could it be a disastrous problem long-term? Yes. The difference? Georgia cares about football, and Kirby Smart's winning national titles. Northwestern doesn't care about football. Northwestern, the most important thing to Northwestern, and you know this, Dave, having worked at ESPN with with people who probably graduated from there, is the academic eliteness of the institution itself. They care about that and the credibility of their institution more than anything. And football is a bonus and the checks they get from the Big Ten is a bonus. They're not – most other schools are, we're not going to let this derail our football program. Northwestern, we're not going to let our football program derail our academics. And they're very, very, very clear about that. And so it's it's about priorities. And neither's wrong. I'm not blaming – I'm not saying that makes them more moral than Georgia. I'm just saying that's what they care about. Yep, completely agree. Jacob Warren, the Vol Report brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden. What should people do that are listening right now? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Does. So thank you very much, Jacob. We appreciate that. All right. So the worst hire at the time, Kiffin Jones Dooley, Pruitt, at the time, and where would Shiano have ranked in there before we get to the most meaningful games of 2023 that include two Tennessee games, and I'm talking from a nationwide perspective. So if you rated those at the time, I'll give you mine first. I thought Dooley was the worst hire, um, losing record at Law Tech. I thought that Pruitt was the second worst hire. I thought that... Uh, Kiffin was the third worst hire. And then I would go to uh, Jones, who I thought would at least get Tennessee solidly to nine or 10 wins. I didn't know if he'd get beyond that. Kiffin, there was a question mark. There was a Raiders issue. Dooley, I mentioned the losing record that he had coming in. And Pruitt, I thought, from what I heard in coaching circles, that was just the best they could do at the time because of the Shano fiasco and everything that was going on. So, how would you rate those as far as the worst hires in recent memory? So you have me debating with myself between, cause I'm with, I'm with you on one and four, Butch Jones. Now, by the way, for don't people debate who are yourself on YouTube, that'll get us kicked off <laughs> for people are, who are questioning. Caleb and I are master debaters. 
Go ahead. There's nothing wrong with being a master debater. It just means you're good with words. Okay. Um, <laughs> so where I was going with, I mean, I want to say this to our listeners real quick. The quality of a hire and the quality of the coach are not the same thing. I think Butch Jones is the worst coach of the four. He was the best hire of the four on paper because six years, four championships. You couldn't ignore that on paper when you, when you were looking at who was available. I'm struggling between Pruitt and Kiffin. I would say Kiffin was a worse hire than Pruitt because of the limitations of the availabilities, because Brian Kelly was available when mm-hmm. Tennessee hired Kiffin and Pruitt, the person who was available when Tennessee hired Pruitt was Lane Kiffin. Funny enough, and Fulmer was never going to hire Lane Kiffin. That wasn't about to happen. So I, I I will say, though, the most obviously bad one was Derek Dooley. And I, I just I have to bring this up because, you know, there is an issue with colleges with legacy admissions where people get admitted to college because of who their dad is, despite that when they have no merit on their own. And that I have a huge problem with that. Well, Derek Dooley was a legacy hire. Honestly, he was hired because he grew his dad was a Hall of Fame coach. And I, I understand people's feelings about the Supreme Court with affirmative action a few weeks ago, because that is I, I understand the issue. But legacy is un, just as annoying. If you're not if you're going to get hired because of who your dad is and not because of who you are and your merits, that's just as bad. And quite honestly, Dave, you told me this story and I didn't know it. you said the boosters took the power away from Mike Hamilton and hired Derek Dooley. Pretty much. No question. No question. I don't, I don't know that he knew who Derek Dooley was before he was interviewed. So I have a theory on this. The lead booster at the time was failed businessman, historically unintelligent Jimmy Haslam. And I think a lot of now, boosters, are you talking big, big Jim or Jimmy? Jimmy. Jimmy. Okay. Because you Jimmy. know I'm a fan of Big Jim. I think he's yes. the perfect booster. I think he sits aside. He gives his okay if you ask him. But Jimmy's a different matter altogether. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Jimmy was running the program like a feudal Lord during that time. And, 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 and so Jimmy Haslam is a historical failure in everything, but he's a trust fund baby. I think he saw himself in Derek Dooley and because. Oh, that's throwing high, hot heat. Never thought about that. Yes. I think he saw himself because Jimmy Haslam so badly wants to prove he's successful at something. He's successful at nothing. But um, I think that he really wanted somebody like Derek Dooley, the son of a Hall of Fame coach, to work out. Now, I still am more of a defender of Derek Dooley, the job he did, than you are. Because I would take Dooley over Butch Jones any day of the week as a head coach. Well, now, in retrospect, my list would change. In retrospect, the, the top coaches, in my opinion, would be Kiffin... Dooley, um, and then I would actually go Pruitt over Butch because I think so little of him as a moral person or lack thereof. I think little of Butch. Yeah, some stuff I've been told that I haven't even shared. I've shared a lot with you off the record, but um, I would have Butch last, even though he had the most success at Tennessee. I would have Butch last, too. I would easily have Butch last. Surprises me a little you said that. I like that. Yeah. Well, again, he's, he's unintelligent. And he's a sociopath. I mean, he's <laughs> other than that. Other, other than that, I mean, it's so yeah. No, I think Dooley was actually the smartest. Of, well, Kiffin was probably the smartest of the four, but Dooley was actually pretty smart. There were just some issues he had, but yeah, no, I think on its face that was a terrible hire. And let Dave, let's here's what drove, drove me crazy about the hire. 
you talked about Kippy Brown. That made the most sense, mainly because it was so late in the game. Just hire an interim and then wait till next year and where you can actually get a better collection of coaches that are going to be because everybody was hired at the time. Or Kevin Sumlin was on the list. And I, I don't think Kevin Sumlin's a great coach now. But on its face, on paper, Kevin Sumlin was a better coach than Derek Dooley. There was no question at, at the time. And so, but the boosters wanted Derek Dooley because the lead, and I don't know about the other boosters at Tennessee. Maybe they, maybe some of them are like Jimmy Haslam, where their daddies were rich. And their entire success is because of their daddy. And Jimmy Haslam's whole life is because of his daddy. If it wasn't because of his daddy, he'd be he'd be one of those people selling roses on the on the street corner. It's interesting. So, what about would would Jimmy have been a big fan? Uh, was he a big fan of the Kiffin hire then? Because that's a legacy, kind of, sort of hire. Well, okay, here, yeah. Oh, I did not like the Kiffin hire because of that. But the thing with the Kiffin hire was Kiffin's legacy hire was not only am I my father's son, I could bring my father to come coach for us. <laughs> <laughs> So it wasn't like Derek Dooley was going to get Vince Dooley to come coach for Tennessee. <laughs> so. yep. There you go. That's why Caleb Calhoun is a master debater. All right. So Tennessee with a hooker. <laughs> oh, wow. What are you even paying for in that regard? All right. So <laughs> let's get to the two most meaningful games uh, on Tennessee's schedule, which also happen to rank as two of the most meaningful games and the entire college football slate. I'm not talking just SEC. I'm not talking just uh, Tennessee. These are games that have huge meaning that just this time a year ago might not have made this list because everybody expected Georgia and Alabama just to pound Tennessee. So before we get to those games and where they rank are the most meaningful games, I want to remind you that Craft Treats is phenomenal for your pet. Craft Treats has just the chill pills that will absolutely change your pet's lives. Uh, they have CBD derivatives. They will help with the digestive issues, the arthritis also help with anxiety. That's crafttreats.com. Go to crafttreats.com. Use the exclusive code off the hook. That is off the hook crafttreats.com. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say the two most meaningful games are Alabama and Georgia uh, on Tennessee's schedule that make this list. Where do they rank among the most meaningful games in all of college football? And my goodness, I would hate to put together this list because going back to the national perspective discussion we had, you're going to leave a bunch of people off. But where do these two games rank? They should in be top college- 10. They should be top 10. Okay, in all of college football, I, I, I agree with actually this list. Tennessee Alabama's top 25. I don't think Tennessee Alabama's top 10 and it can't be top 10 anymore because it's not a divisional game. Now, after this year, it could get back to top 10 when there's no more divisions, but there's still divisions this year. So with Alabama in the West, it's 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 top 25 because it's it's not as much of a direct impact. So I got Tennessee Alabama in the top 25. I got Tennessee Georgia in the top 5. On it. That that's that's where I'm going with these two. Okay, and where are they actually on the list that was done by 247 Sports? So the list by 247 Sports is right where I was doing. They have Tennessee, Alabama at 21, and they have Tennessee, Georgia at number four. Now, ahead of Tennessee, Georgia is Michigan, Penn State, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. I can't really argue with any of those, can you? Uh, no, but I, I am going to here, – here's, here's what I'll do. 
I'll go ahead and start it with four downs because I'm going to argue one of the points that you made because I, I still happen to think that Tennessee-Alabama is pretty significant for a significant reason or two. Four downs brought to you by Craft Treats. Use that promo code off the hook again, that promo code off the hook. Four downs is now. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So one of the things that you said throws me off a little bit. I'm not totally disagreeing with you, but I'm kind of disagreeing with you because you talk about which is the bigger game between the two. I think it's easy to say Georgia. I think it's very easy to say that that's the SEC East. However, what would two wins in a row mean for the Vols over Alabama? So this particular year, what would be the bigger win? I'm going to give you the easy one, okay? Because I know you're going to go Georgia, and you're probably right. But Cooper, set us up for first down. Cooper, first down. So you want to go Georgia. Tell me why in 10 seconds or less, because you're pretty much right. Because it's an SEC East game. That's all I need to say. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say Alabama, because I think Georgia very well could be going off the rails. I, I think that with the discipline issues, I've seen this before up close under Philip Fulmer, and it doesn't seem to be going away. And it's tough to get that back, and sometimes you never get that back. So I think Georgia could be going off the rails. I'm not particularly fond of the Mike Bobo hire that we talked about. I think that if you beat Alabama for the second year in a row, that you made a real statement. If you beat them in Tuscaloosa, you've made a real statement. Either are on a scale of one to 10, 10 wins. I mean, that's like a, that's a monstrous win. So I'm not at all saying that the Georgia win wouldn't be huge. It, it absolutely would be. And it's at home and you would probably have the goalpost back in, uh, in the river and the Tennessee river and all that. And that's, that, that's great and well and good. And I appreciate all that, but to beat Alabama after their run, you might be part of the reason that Nick Saban says, I'm not sure I want to do this any longer. Okay, that happened with Steve Spurrier in Tennessee in 2001. So if you could push Nick Saban out the door, you would agree that would be the bigger win, right? Well, the funniest part about Tennessee pushing Steve Spurrier out the door was they thought the SECs was, was about to be theirs for the next decade, and they still haven't won an SEC title since Spurrier retired or resigned from Florida. And well, that's, that's true. But if you can push Nick Saban out the door and Georgia – is on a disciplined slide downhill, which I believe to be the case, I could be proven wrong, then did I at least make a decent argument why Alabama would be the more meaningful win in 2023? Can you roll with that at least? I think you made a better argument for Georgia being the more meaningful win, honestly. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. You're talking about all these issues. with If Tennessee loses at Alabama this year, on the road to Alabama, it's not a big deal of a loss. If they lose to Georgia at home, and here's the th- what you're saying means they almost need to beat Georgia because they've got to cash in on Georgia sliding as a program. They've got to beat them and take advantage of the issues in front of them. The same, and, and so the same way I said last year, Tennessee has to beat LSU in Florida. I said they had to because you're not going to get a better opportunity to beat LSU in Florida than in 2022. And they took advantage of those. And 
based on what you're saying, Dave, the if Georgia's sliding, well, Tennessee needs to push them further down, and the way to push them down is to beat them. Okay, fair. Twisted my argument. <laughs> I'll give you that. Second down. What down is it, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Thank you, Coop. The bigger rival right now, aside from what game they want to win, has Georgia supplanted Alabama short-term as the biggest rival between the two because Tennessee has now beaten Alabama and Georgia appears by many to be the next dominant dynasty in college sports? No, rival right now. Funny enough, I would say no, only because Tennessee-Georgia is not really a rival yet. Tennessee's got to be competitive to make it a rival. And right now it's Georgia and then Tennessee. And here's a crazy, but I will say this, if you care about history and historical perspective, there's one reason to care more about the Georgia game, which is Alabama so far ahead of the rest of the SEC when it comes to history, that doesn't matter. Georgia surpassed Tennessee this year, this past year, a number of SEC titles. So Tennessee's fallen to third all time in number of SEC titles. Georgia leads the all time series 27 to 23. See, Tennessee could care about leading the all-time series with Georgia. They're never going to catch Alabama in yours or my lifetime in terms of all-time series or SEC titles or national titles. But they can catch Georgia. And so I think that's where it's a big deal. Fair enough. Well, I plan to live to 100, so there's that. All right. What down is it, Cooper? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. Which game is Tennessee more likely to win? Alabama. Alabama and Georgia. You know what? The home, in a way, you would say they're more likely to beat Georgia, but I'm just not. I'm not. I'm, I'm down on Alabama this year. I, I really am, and so I, I just, I think they're more likely to beat Alabama. I think they're more likely to beat Alabama because they're down, but I'm closer than you because I think this is a revenge type of game. And Nick Saban, even before he had elite talent, was a master motivator. And I'm going to use a Cowboys reference, which you might hate from time to time, but Jimmy Johnson was an incredible motivator. I I think of him very similar to Nick Saban. He knows how to push buttons on all the guys. Some guys need the harsh treatment. Some guys need you to be uh, a little bit, uh, nicer when they have a bad practice. You just kind of give them a look. So I think that they will be motivated to the hilt that we can practice. No, it doesn't matter when the game kicks off, I know. But they'll be motivated to the hilt in the offseason to say Tennessee's never going to beat Alabama again. We're the Crimson Tide. So I do believe that uh, Alabama will be an incredibly tough matchup, uh, obviously, and they're on the road. So I think that'll be the the tougher win between the two to get just because of the motivational factor. And I think Nick Saban's special at that, almost as special as evaluating talent and recruiting. Which down is it, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. What's the most important aspect in each of those games for Tennessee to pull what we think will be an upset? The most important aspect of each of those games i'll start first with georgia and elias points out that georgia matchup is terrible it is because they do the exact opposite as tennessee so i think it's the running game i think tennessee has to be able to run the football with a pretty good offensive line i think that's the most important aspect of georgia i think the most important aspect of 
and you could say this about every game, and I'm not trying to cop out here, just don't make mistakes on the road against Alabama. And I don't, I don't hate that matchup at all. I think it's a tough matchup. You just can't go out there. Not, I'm not even talking about interception fumbles. <laughs> Let's bring it back to Joe Milton. Call me a Joe Milton hater if you want to. But Joe Milton can't be missing wide open guys in the Alabama game on the road. That can't happen. Yeah, so for Alabama, I'm going to be a little more cliche than even you. I think it's straight up about Joe Milton. Because I think Alabama is going to be playing ball control. They're going to be focused on the game, so I don't think they'll make as many mistakes. Um, so I think from that perspective, it's going to Tennessee's going to actually have to beat Alabama. And I don't mean – they can't beat Alabama the way they beat Florida in 98. You know what I mean? They're going to actually have to beat them by outplaying them. And so that comes to Joe Milton, like you said, hating on his throws. I still think it's actually the passing game against Georgia too. And that is, I think that it's the receivers. They got to be able to beat those Georgia defensive backs. And last year it was raining. Cedric Tillman was, they were trying to force it to Tillman when he had a hurt ankle, kind of messed things up a little bit. But the real exposure was the problem was Tennessee's receivers. Georgia put their cornerbacks on them one-on-one man and just stuck with them down the sidelines. So I think that the biggest key in that game is, it's actually just one question. Who's going to win the speed matchups, George, the foot races, Georgia's quarterbacks or Tennessee's receivers? That's fair. Uh, we got another prediction for 10 wins for Tennessee, where Joe Milton ranks among NFL draft quarterback prospects. Uh, so the predictions continue all over the place for Tennessee. Needless to say, as people don't know if Tennessee's for real or Tennessee's a flash in the pan. I'm telling you, I, media members I talked to, both on and off the show can they're uncertain they're uncertain which i think is is very interesting after what tennessee i mean what tennessee did last year it's not like they were a james franklin vanderbilt team that beat a bunch of no names they beat an alabama and they they beat a florida so i'm i'm unsure as to why people are uncertain but we'll address that more predictions and joe milton gets a little bit of love but not too much in two minutes off the sports with caleb calhoun i'm dave family has been creating jewelry since 1986 each piece unique with a story all its own i'm rick terry with rick terry jewelry designs i'm a jeweler and i want to be your jeweler we're grateful that you chose us to be knoxville's best jeweler my family and staff look forward to serving you so please come see us kingston pike and campbell station road in the heart of farragut and downtown on gay street right next to the tennessee theater Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. 
At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Have you watched the Dante Stallworth Celebrate 98 yet, Caleb? I have not. That is on my list of agenda and things to do today. It's because it was just last night. I won't hold it against you. But it's pretty good. He played Peter Warwick. And an interesting side note of that, Celebrate 98 brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, tnsidercompany.com. Use a promo code use a promo code HAT and get free swag with any purchase. You can order that cider from almost anywhere in the country. So he and Leonard Scott were mimicking Peter Warwick and Lavernius Coles before the national championship game. And Dante shared that and he hadn't, I don't think he told said this publicly, but he shared this with us. He thought Tennessee was in big time trouble because he and Leonard Scott were destroying the secondary during practice leading up to it. And as it turns out, the reason Dante Stallworth was faster and more athletic than Peter Warwick and Leonard Scott was probably faster, maybe not as good as hands as Lavernius Coles. But they really thought the receiver group thought that Tennessee's defensive backs were in trouble. And an interesting story where uh, Dwayne Goodrich came up to Fred White after the first series and said, hey, Peter Warwick's not as fast as Dante Stallworth. Did you know that? <laughs> there it goes. Pretty, pretty, I mean, I Dante, Stallworth had a more, Dante Stallworth had a more successful NFL career than Peter Warwick and Peerless Price also had a more successful career than Peter Warwick. And there's a great, they do the SI articles all the time, every, you know, for the national champion they would do every year. And they had one for Tennessee, the whole feature SI uh, issue on Tennessee in 98. And there's like a whole, there's a whole section dedicated to all the talk Peter Warwick was getting before the game and how much peerless price just totally outshined him in the game. And it just wasn't even a question that, one was, I, and I, but I, I'm a, for people who don't know, I'm a Peerless Price homer. I love Peerless Price. He's my favorite receiver to ever play for UT, and I honestly think he's the best receiver to ever play for Tennessee. Yes, I said that. But whoa, that's strong. 
Yes. We might have and you I, on the Celebrate 98 edition so you can you can tell him that. I'm sure he'd love to hear that. A guy named Peerless probably likes to hear compliments. Oh, yeah. Well, look, Peerless <laughs> Price's stats weren't what Joey Kent's and Marcus Nash's and even Robert Meacham's in 2006 were. He also played in a totally different offense with T. Martin throwing him the ball. He didn't have Peyton Manning throwing the ball. No disrespect to T. Martin, but the offense was different with T. Martin than it was with Peyton Manning. If I would have told you leading up to that game that Peter Warwick was the third best receiver at best behind Dante Stallworth and Peerless Price, before that game, you would have called me crazy. I guarantee you would have. You're right, and you could almost say fourth best because Cedric Wilson might have been better than Peter Warwick too. I mean, yep. it's, <laughs> it's not a, I mean, it's not a crazy thought. I thought Florida State was overrated heading into that game. I didn't think Peter Warwick was overrated, but I guess that will be uh, a lesson learned. All right, let's get to Phil Still, who I said I love. He predicts 10 wins uh, for the Vols. Uh, Joe Milton uh, named the number six uh, quarterback prospect in the upcoming NFL draft. To me, nine and a half wins is the over-under. That's my personal, not that it should be and it won't. It'll probably be eight and a half by Vegas. But if Tennessee doesn't win 10 wins and just win, it doesn't win 10 games and just wins nine, to me, that would be a bit of a disappointment considering what they have coming back. Bill still takes a, a national look at this, and he's had Tennessee at number 19 in the polls, which I don't understand. But uh, 10 wins for Tennessee. What do you make of Steele's prediction? How doable your thoughts? Phil Steele is ground zero for just how all over the place predictions are for Tennessee this year. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it totally it, is. It, so we talked about Phil Steele last week, and he had Tennessee ranked number 19 nationally. This week, in an interview, it, it, we find out that he's projecting them to go 10 and 2, and that they're the only team or to win 10 games, and that they're the only team in the East that can challenge Georgia. Well, if they can challenge Georgia, they'd be higher than 19. Then we're seeing among draft eligible quarterbacks, Joe Milton is all the way down at six on his list. I got news for you. And I said this the other day if Tennessee really wants to be able to challenge Georgia, Joe Milton probably has to be in the top four or top three. I mean, the guys that are ahead of him are Riley Leonard, Quinn Ewers, and Bo Nix. Joe Milton's got to prove himself to be a better draft prospect than all three of those guys if Tennessee is going to challenge Georgia this year in the SEC East or win double-digit games. So I think nine and a half is the perfect benchmark. Nine and a, Because the reason nine and a half is the perfect benchmark is you assume Alabama and Georgia losses – and then the nine and a half comes where does Tennessee lose a third game or not? Do they lose an upset game somewhere where they get caught, which is there between nine and three or 10 and two. And so do they lose a game they shouldn't lose or do they beat Alabama and Georgia? That's where you get. So nine and a half is, is the easy set of mark for Tennessee this year. And I think they, you're right. If they don't go over that, it is a failure. They need to go 10 and two. If for anything, if for any reason, and I talked about this last week, this is Josh Heupel's I got to prove I'm not Gus Malzahn year. He's got to prove that he can sustain what he did last year. And that can be more difficult than, than you think. No, totally agree. So would you have Tennessee, if you're, if you're doing the predictions and we'll get to our official predictions, would you feel confident enough to have Tennessee at 10 wins? Are you surprised that a guy like Phil still does have Tennessee at 10 wins? 
No, because I think you can you can be a little low on Tennessee and then a little high on the hospitality of their schedule. If you're low on Kentucky, Missouri, and all, and Virginia, and all these other teams, you can see ten and two. I remember the first Phil Steele magazine I ever bought was 2002 when he had Tennessee number one that year. Tennessee was predicted to win the SEC. Dave, you remember they were number five. It was after their 11 and two top five finish Citrus Bowl win over Michigan. They're coming in the next year. Everybody thinks they're going to win the SEC title. They they it was a horrible year. They go eight and five because of all these injuries. But the biggest reason everybody thought they were going to win the SEC that year was they had a very favorable schedule and that all their key games were at home that year with Florida. They were playing Miami at home and things like that. So I just think that I think the scheduling allows for even though you may have them down at number 19, you could see them theoretically going 10 and two because of the schedule. So most important ball, we would agree, is Joe, Joe Milton, right? Yes, the whole season comes down to whether or not Joe Milton can do what he's asked to do and needs to do. Okay. Who's second? Brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. City Heat and Air, over 50 years of experience. Integrity matters. You might not need a whole new unit. You might just need some coolant, or you might just need, I don't know, uh, a part instead of spending thousands of dollars on a new unit. If you do need a new unit, know that you'll be taken care of the city heating and air conditioning city heat and air.com second most important player for Tennessee this season is somebody cheated a little bit on the message board and said the entire offensive line can't do that can't do a group can't do that so I don't want to give the game away because I'm going to be doing a ranking when when fall camp starts I'll be doing all these rankings most important players breakout players darkers falls that's all coming but I will tell you my guy that I'm watching and this is going to be a shocker for you, Dave. Wesley Walker. That is interesting um, that you would pick him. You know, he has experience over a Gabe Judy Lawley, or you would pick him over some guys that I think are more athletic at the corner position. Wesley Walker, is, of course, is a safety. Why are you leaning towards Wesley Walker at this point? And I'll give you where I'm leaning. I think Wesley Walker is stepping in for Trey Flowers at free safety. And I think... I think Tennessee will be better in the secondary this year, but they still need that free safety that can cover for giant flaws that the cornerbacks might have. And that's where the pressure is going to be on Wesley Walker. He's got to be, particularly because you got two, Tennessee's probably going to have to rely on a freshman somewhere. And so I think to allow the cornerbacks, the young cornerbacks to actually emerge, you need the safety help over the top. And I think Wesley Walker is going, Jalen McCullough is going to be used. You probably agree with me on this, right, Dave? Jalen McCullough is more of a, hitting cornerback he's almost more a safety he's almost like a fred white not fred white i'm not gonna make fred white mad he's not as good as fred white but his style is more fred white isn't it in terms of a physical safety that likes to tackle yeah no i I would agree with that um my most important player and i'm not being a homer here because he he works with us on a week-to-week basis is is cooper i mean i i just think that um, Cooper Mays, if something were to happen, would that would be d- devastating for Tennessee? You know, you don't you'd have to go in a different direction of a guy that hasn't played a lot. I guess that would be Jordan Addison. Um, and you may have to shift things around if you if you're not ready for him, then a guard has to move inside. You know, Tennessee was very healthy for the most part up front. They had the one issue at LSU, but for the most part, they were very healthy. And I think Cooper's the most important player. I think that he gives, other than Joe Milton, I think he gives uh, um Tennessee, the ability um, to feel comfortable 
at the center quarterback exchange, which should be simple, I know. But for Joe Milton, and you're stepping in there not only for the opener and you're the starter again, but you're stepping in there at Alabama, uh, at Florida, home against Georgia, all of that, you want to be comfortable with the basics. And those are the basics, the center quarterback exchange. So you've got to have that. So I'll take Cooper Mays. Dave, did you start watching football in the 1960s? So you're one of those people who thinks the center is the most important position on the line? No. <laughs> well, here's why. Because I think they're good at running back. I think they're good at receiver. I think a guy at either of those positions could go down and they would be fine there. I don't know who replaces that guy. And then what about the left other, tackle? Well, I mean, that, that, that's fair. But again, I'm, you know, Cooper handles a lot of the calls. And I'm not just saying this because he, he's, he's part of the ball report brought to you by. You're TV. sounding more and more like I, I'm, you're sounding more and more like one of those centers, the most important position handles okay. all the calls. Okay. I'm not <laughs> saying that, but it is important. He also can long snap, by the way, if something were to happen there. But Keenan Pilly is the guy I'm going to pick on the defensive side because I think his ability to handle the running game between the tackles will allow guys to play a little bit more free. I don't know that Tennessee had that guy in Jeremy Banks last year. That would be one. And they didn't have a guy that kind of manned the middle so other guys could play free. So I, I think I think Peely is actually one of the uh, most important players that we haven't talked about this to this point. Your thoughts on that? I think Peely is important. I think Peely is very important. I think that, and we saw what happened with Tennessee last year when Jeremy Binks missed a game, whatever you feel about Jeremy Binks, and I don't think highly of him. They need that type of linebacker to for Tim Binks to be able to run a system. Where I think things could be a little more crucial this year, though, I don't think, I think you can make that position a little less necessary, though, if your secondary improves. And also, if you have, if Amari Thomas emerges into a star at defensive tackle, because I, I think that's a the, Tennessee had solid play at defensive tackle last year, but you agree, right? Dave? They didn't have a star. They didn't have a game changer that blew up plays on the, on the defensive line last year. No. And I don't think they're going to have one this year. And maybe I'm jumping to conclusions. I think they're going to have a bunch of very good interior defensive linemen. I don't think they're going to have a great one. I know Amari Thomas is going to go to sec media days. That tells you something that they think he's done a pretty good job, but Peely would, would give Beasley the ability to play a little bit more free. I kind of thought of Beasley last year the way I do Peely this year as an in-the-box type of linebacker. I now think Beasley has more athletic ability. So whereas I thought that Beasley last year would be the guy that keeps everything in front of him. He's not giving up the big runs so that Banks is able to flow free sideline to sideline. It didn't really shake out like that banks didn't live up to his billing in my opinion I'm not blaming beasley but i think peely has the ability to play the run to be very good in that regard and beasley can play more free i th- i thought beasley last year was more athletic than i did before the season you no i actually didn't but but that's to be fair you gotta remember i i had been covering him since 2019 and beasley was started out as a safety when he went to tennessee so yep. I kind of knew about his athleticism. Yep. I thought he was, was very good. He surprised me a little bit. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Mentioned off the hook uh, sports. When you contact Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han, you'll love them because they did my LASIK. Look, I can see uh, near and far. It's fantastic. They also do cataract surgery. And Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han has a local 
uh, vision centers to you that are very local. Their doctors care about you as well, which you don't have oftentimes in uh, in the medical field altogether. Trust me. Um, but there you go. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. We're with you each and every day live. Get those notifications on. You've got to subscribe. And you've got to have the notifications on because Dante Stallworth is going to drop today. We're going to have uh, Jacob Warren will drop today. So we've got a lot going on. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This is Off the Hook Sports. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.